This is Game Theory, our podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making, hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, we talk about how to win the online dating game. The internet is filled with horror stories from people who tried to meet someone through an online dating app. And then he just went, hmm... I love the feeling of skin. I think like squeezed my calf and he was just like, mm, you have really strong calves. And all I hear in my head is the sound Hannibal Lecter makes. And I'm just like, I have to get out. And the only way I could get out was by making up like a bunch of lies. That's our friend Erin telling one of her most memorable and awful stories from her experiences with dating apps. These dating apps like Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, and others present basic online profiles to users. They have pics or videos There's a profile section akin to a baseball card with height, age, and job, and various responses to online icebreakers. Users can swipe right to like someone or swipe left to pass. If a user swipes right on someone who also swiped right for them, they match and can begin chatting, sort of. This ability to instantly like or pass on tens of thousands, even millions of interested users creates a game-like atmosphere to find a life partner, a sexual partner, or just put yourself out there. But power swipers, those who swipe right for all users, creeps, bots, sex workers, cheaters, and married couples make this a difficult game to navigate. These apps have resulted in the complete spectrum of outcomes, from marriages to murders. But one thing is certain, they've completely changed the game. So ahead of Valentine's Day, we ask you, what are you looking for on here? And welcome to another episode of the Game Theory Podcast. I'm Nick and Chris. Valentine's Day, as we record this, is on the way. Valentine's Day is a magical day. And fun trivium for you, Valentine's Day is actually one of the most common days for birthdays of the year. What? No. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think it'd be the opposite. Like November 14th? Yes, exactly. No. February 14th. Very common day for birthdays. Like, nobody's born on the 13th. Everyone just waits. <laughs> so, is that 4th of July? Is that, is that a 4th of July love fest? Am I doing my math right? Five. Well, no, it'd be May, right? Oh, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Sure. Be a little, uh, little Jersey short. So, we're, Chris, we're talking about dating. We're talking about online dating. Um, first of all, like, rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate it. The, the show is growing slowly and steadily. We're not like cryptocurrency. We're more like your 401k with uh, predictable growth. We've low risk 401k. Very low risk. Rates low reward at. also. <laughs> very low reward. Well, sometimes you do get what you pay for. So I have been putting the videos of these on Spotify, but Chris, I'm going to make an alteration for this episode just to see how it goes because there's no real added element to seeing our faces. As we would agree, that's where, yeah, this is not a TV show. Nobody I mean, I would, I would argue that that actually detracts from the quality of the show. 100%. So on Spotify, instead of putting our faces, I'm going to put the captions so that you can read along if you so choose. If you'd like, there's a transcript available too. We're going to do transcripts now, Chris. They're not going to be fully edited because we have lives and jobs, but there will be transcripts available on a, on a website. And if you want to see our faces, you can go to www.youtube.com and you'll figure it out from there. There are links in the show notes, et cetera, et cetera. We really appreciate all of the uh, crypto stuff. A lot of people... A lot more people on Facebook and whatnot agreed with our cryptocurrency takes, which was interesting. I was worried that we were about to get trolled, but we're not famous enough to get trolled. Yeah, I was shocked by that. Uh, crypto takes are controversial 
to yeah. say the least. There's a lot of vested interest. Some people think there's like real wealth to be had there. I think there's real games to be played there. But yeah. I, 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 I'm relieved that we didn't uh, receive the ire of the crypto zealots. Yeah, I would really have appreciated being like a little buoyed. No, no press is bad press, but I didn't want to have to deal with them. You have no idea. This is harmful. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, shut up. But well, you, know what, you know what crypto can do, Chris, is it can get you a boyfriend or girlfriend or possibly laid, according to a study from CNBC. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about online dating and dating apps and what exactly they are and how to win them or what the fuck the goal is or what are we doing with these apps. So what is this CNBC thing? So I shared this with you a while ago. I didn't want to. I didn't want to believe the headline. I thought it was like like the Babylon Bee or something like the Onion. Yeah, which it it just it just it's too hilarious to be true. So CNBC published an article yesterday. So this is the first week of February. Right. The headline says owning cryptocurrency may make you more desirable on the dating scene. Study finds, and it turns out this study was done by eToro which is a social investment platform. So imagine that, a study done by a company whose value is increased by investment in cryptocurrency says investing in cryptocurrency is good. And they're trying to like play to this idea that people are somehow more desirable because they have NFTs and they're like riding the wave of the future. And I, I don't know, anybody in real life who has ever had any kind of like the over like the Venn diagram between someone's interest in cryptocurrency and someone's dating life is just two circles that are like miles apart that yeah, which is really interesting that you say that because there are things that people care a lot about when it comes to dating uh, on these profiles I remember so I met my wife online and we will get into that in a moment about how to solve the game and how to win the game but <laughs> don't, don't don't wink at me and say that don't <laughs> <laughs> For those of you watching on YouTube, I've been practicing my winking game. Yeah, all this virtual stuff has been has been really helpful. So it back when I was out there in 2016 was an election that some of us remember. There started to pop up things where they would identify themselves politically. And identification politically started with Mark Zuckerberg in 2007 and a way to kind of identify yourself and give essentially the FBI the full profile of information that they would love to have. But then after that, after the 2016 election, it started to become a little bit more hostile. And by the time that I deleted the apps, which is like around January of 2017, um, people were like, if you voted for Trump or Clinton, swipe left, which means I don't want to talk to you. If you voted for this person at that point, now we're starting to use these things in these bios as a way to delineate. And I would imagine, I haven't seen it, but I've seen articles and things that vaccination status is essentially a no-go for many people one way or the other. So cryptocurrency, maybe maybe it is. Maybe it's just a way to say you get more matches. I'm sure that all eToro did was like, hey, Tinder, um, is crypto a, a word that has any buzz in your algorithm? And they're like, well, how much would you like to know? And eToro is like, well, how about a million dollars worth? And, and Tinder's like, sure. Uh, these 33% of people gave each other their numbers. Yeah, well, they, they actually did measure percentages based on questions about mm. what people would do in a situation with people with or without cryptocurrency. What app does this, and, does it say what app they went to? Uh, it does not say mm. uh, which app. It's, I, I think it's just a survey. Sure. If it was an app per se. Okay. Uh, they said, according to eToro, again, this is an invest, a crypto investment firm, a social investment firm running this survey. They said 33% of Americans 
said they would be more likely to go on a date with someone who mentioned crypto assets in their online dating profile. Mm. So one in three. Then they said nearly three in four, which probably means 66% in this case, but they don't want to give away the fact that they had surveyed three people. Nearly three in four would be interested in a second date with a person who paid the bill in Bitcoin. (laughs) Three in four? So it just shows that you're woke? Well... Is that nearly the, three and four. Nearly three and so, four. So half. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Of, of the 10 people we surveyed, six said that they would do that, which is almost seven. Right. But not, not and then, quite. And then they close out, like some of the, some of the other data here, uh, nearly 20% of singles would be more interested in you romantically if you set an NFT as your profile picture on a social platform or dating site. Ooh. Now, remember, when we talked about NFTs last episode... It's one thing to have the NFT as your profile picture, and it's another thing to own it. You can just right-click and save, and you have the image. You might not have the token, but it doesn't matter. Like, is somebody right. going to investigate the status of the token that they find on a dating site? No, absolutely not. People don't have time for that. That's not how people use online dating apps. Yeah, uh, and um, so we're going to get into how they use them right now. So this is, there isn't game theory element to this in terms of like payoff, and it, it's, it centers around the question of what, are, like, what is the purpose of this. Now, Tinder was sort of the, I will say, and I hate this word, but they were the disruptor here. They were the one that really kind of made this a free thing. They're like, people like each other. They want to bone. They want to date. They are lonely. Let's figure this out. But Tinder originally, when it came out of the box, started using gaming language. And people don't realize this, but many of the famous social media apps did that as well. Snapchat still keeps track of points and streaks and stuff as if it's a game. They want there to be a reward, even though most people don't use the apps in that manner. So when Tinder came out, they're like, you match with someone. Do you want to talk to them or do you want to keep playing? Not do you want to meet more people and keep swiping? Do you want to keep playing? It's like, this is a game. This is a reward. It's fun, whatever. Then people started dating and they started hooking up and all this stuff. And, and now Tinder became like a real dating app. At the beginning of Tinder, people were very honest the way that one would be on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And it was like a genuine thing. And you had your best pictures and a couple little tidbits about your profile is very simple. Are you seeking a man or a woman? Are you a woman or a man? Whatever like your identification is. And it was easy peasy. Mostly the target was probably... I would say college kids and new adults, 25, 26, 27, 28 in there. And then it got flooded. New, new adults. I love that. That's a, uh, a classification for books. That's like, um, it's like Harry Potter would be young adult. Twilight would be young adult. But like, I'm trying to think of one. Uh, where Her- like, Harry Potter one would be young adult. Yeah, Harry Potter seven would be new adult. Exactly. That's exactly a good way to think about it. So it's like college grad. Like I was a douchebag. Now I'm a poor douchebag, like that kind of stuff. So that was like the (laughs) original demographic. But what people found out was kind of how to game the system because you can set age ranges and things and mileage ranges. So at the beginning of Tinder, the smartest thing to do would just be to swipe on everyone because theoretically, then you can narrow it down. The idea is like, well, let's see who likes me and then we can narrow it down. So instead of having to go through, you would theoretically raise your chances of getting more matches if you just swiped right which meant that you liked the person on every single profile that came across your desk within your age and mileage parameters. However, as this article from this, and this calling this an article is pretty intense because this is a, it is an article, but it is from a company that is a matchmaking service, which is interesting that that exists. So in this article, this guy points this out that if you do that and any sort of the opposite sex or the sex that you are seeking figures that out, then they can then game the system and therefore be more selective. So every time you give a swipe, 
you are theoretically reducing your chances of meeting someone if they are aware of the swipe game. So at that point, you're in this weird conundrum. And the only logical thing to do from a game theory standpoint, Chris, is just to take it seriously and swipe on the people that you like. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that you've come full circle there. Like, like what you've just described represents this kind of strange commodification of relationships yes. between people. So like you said, you started out... You, you you start out with online dating, trying to be sincere and do like an accurate representation of yourself. It kind of sounds like what you would have seen or what you would see uh, with the more, I guess, established online services like Match.com. eHarmony, yeah. eHarmony, stuff like that. Um, and there's also, you know, historically, there used to be uh, like dating services that you could like make a little recording of yourself and then those those matchmaking companies would try to, match up singles and they have like singles events like speed dating or singles only cruises and stuff like that. And that used to be one way that, that people met one another. And I, I, I don't know, I'm not old enough to, to really remember a time when that was like in fashion. Right. Uh, and I don't know that it ever really was in fashion, but you know, the point is with dating, it becomes this weird thing where actually to find give yourself more chances of finding a date you have to play this game yes but if everyone else knows you're playing the game then they can just kind of step back from the game and they have a little bit of uh, an advantage so to speak feels weird to say that about trying to find a partner but it does give other people the onus for like how to meet people and be in control of what does and doesn't happen on the app right exactly so this article kind of points out this nash equilibrium of how to swipe um, it's, it, it, and all game theory is this way. When there's a Nash equilibrium, it's just about guessing and mind reading about your perspective, you know, your counter player. It's no different really than rock, paper, scissors, these, these match games. But then some interesting things happen because it was so easy to swipe. Um, really, we'll just call how do we say this? High libido males started to inundate it with just trying to get laid as often as they could. And this is what happened with Tinder. So Tinder ran into a bit of a problem. They kind of figured out this power swipe thing. Like people were just like, pa, 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 pa. I've seen videos back in the day, maybe Vines or things on Facebook where guys would like God, get a Vines. Do you, remember, do you remember Vine? Yeah, Holy there's a crap. TikTok account that's just old Vines. It's the best TikTok account of all time. It's just reposting yes, it Vines. It is the best TikTok. I, I, I don't use TikTok, but man, I would love to just watch. I, I've, I've sunk an embarrassing amount of hours into watching old Vines. Vines are in incredible anyway i saw there's an old vine this guy had like a uh, mashed potato blender and he put like hot dogs on it and it just like swiping everywhere it was incredible it's absolutely incredible it's like those uh like those safety things in shop class where like if you put your finger in it the saw blade stops you like test it with a hot dog yes it's like the phone using the same technology just like swipe 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 so um but tinder figured this out and they they realized this is a massive problem like people are not going to use the app they're going to inundate this this is not going to be a good experience for the people who are taking it seriously and the people who are taking it seriously right now is what we want to do we want to have a good thing at this point like around this time uh match the match company bought tinder and they're publicly traded like they're a real they're a real company at this point in time right so they buy tinder like we got to clean some of this shit up so they do two things to prevent the power swipes one is they limit the amount of swipes per day it's like oh. you can't play forever and number two and this is what happened because i tried power swiping when i lived in philly because it was like there are like a million users when i was single in the philly area there's like how do I know? Like, this is an algorithm based. So what Tinder did is they punished power swipers. If you were swiping, they? they were reading. They were the first. TikTok kind of stole this from Tinder, I think. But Tinder was one of the first companies that was 
tracking how long you were on certain pages. And if you didn't spend a certain amount of time on a profile and you can repeated this behavior, they're like, this is like a power swiper. This is a gamer. This is a hacker. They are not here for this. It also helped them weed out bots and prostitutes, which is a huge problem on Tinder. But when they did that, they would just bump you down the algorithm. So the, the, the shorter amount of time you spent look, looking at profilers, the, the profiles, they would bump you down. In an area like Philly or New York or LA, if you were at the bottom, that would mean your prospective partners would have to swipe through hundreds, thousands, perhaps millions of other profiles to find you if you were in that setting. So that was a really brilliant move by Tinder. And yeah. It kind of solved that problem. However, around this time, Tinder came out. Uh, there was some competition for Tinder. There had been Zeusk and, and, and Clover and I think Plenty of Fish. But then Bumble came out. And Bumble realized that the real way to get rid of the creeps was to empower the women. And so what they did was if you match, the woman has 24 hours to talk to you to start the conversation. Or they just unmatch you. So you, the guys can't just uh, match and then be creepy. Seems reasonable to me. I mean, it's a good way to weed out the creeps, I guess, if you assume that no women are creeps. Correct. Yeah. Uh, which, which, I mean, just playing the numbers, that's a pretty safe assumption. Most yes, of the time. Yeah. Statistically speaking. Well, and it, and it also sets up interesting questions for like how do same-sex couples use Bumble. Uh, in, uh, in the anecdotal experience of friends of mine who use uh, social media or so, uh, social dating apps uh, and uh, are looking for same-sex partners... Uh, a lot of times, especially women, get solicited for uh, being the third in yes. a uh, three-person uh, liaison, as it were. And so even when you use apps like Bumble, there can still be that frustrating uh, creep factor, yes. even though the women are empowered. It's like, well, you know, I can't seem to win here because <laughs> yes. I'm being solicited by a pair of people, and I thought it was I was just looking for... A connection with somebody right and again like that, that 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 puts you in a situation where you're like just being honest is the only way to go but for the person who are earnestly out there looking for a match or a date or whatever they're screwed so bumble the weird problem for the uh heterosexual or the uh i guess, i mean I forget the, the clinical term is people who have sex with the opposite sex or something like that but for if only there was a term to describe yes, that but it's not just heterosexual if you're dating if the opposite there was a sex, term using two greek words Hetero. Or mashed together in some way. Maybe one meaning opposite and the other one meaning sex. I can't think of it. Anyway. We don't have the technology. <laughs> we don't have Google. The issue that I found that was funny was that you get matches, but then, hey, for the straight ladies out there, it turns out it's hard to start a conversation. For men, I don't think women really understood until Bumble came out just the amount of sheer confident rejection that happens as a male approaching a female and and like just the 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 rejection rate is enormous so when bumble camp comes out a lot of times and i have this experience on bumble and many men have had it as well you match with a girl and the girl won't say anything or they won't say anything clever they'll just say hey i'm like oh well when i was on tinder i was told i can't say hey i have to be clever which was funny. So Bumble solved this problem by allowing the man with a match to extend a match. So this is how this would work. You're on Bumble, you match. The woman has 24 hours to talk to you. At okay. about 12 hours, as the man, you could extend it, which is nonverbal communication to say, I am interested in you. So the match was not enough. And then the woman can talk to you. But Chris, I solicited the help of, I think, a high-ranking member of... Kappa Delta, 
the most powerful sorority at the University of Mississippi. She was very gorgeous, very successful. I believe she's in D.C. now, actually. And I said, hey, what the fuck is this? Help me. And so she helped me yeah. with my profile. Hillary, help uh, me. Close. Uh, Keely. Well, <laughs> six of one. Yeah, exactly. So Keely looked at it and she said, well, you don't have any conversation starters. So you need a conversation starter. And so when I figured, found my conversation starter, I started getting matches and messages. And that's how I met my wife. Well, what was your conversation starter? My conversation starter was, I'm just looking for a girl to take me to her alma mater's football games. Wow. And you wound up with a Penn State grad. Ah, it was tough. Could you imagine how, how different your life would be if you were trying to look for somebody to bring you to a good football experience? Mm, that's true. I mean, I, I, what I really want is to stand in the cold, in the rain, because that's not what your alma mater is. Well, it, let, look, let's not get caught up on the, on the forecast here. Nick, you're talking about some really interesting aspects of like the way that people approach relationships now. Yes. And like you used the word disruptor earlier to describe Tinder. I I hate crediting people with that term, but it really did disrupt a lot of major social things. And and it it goes beyond just like the fact of online dating. Uh, In fact, uh, a a study out of uh, in 2019... Uh, by some researchers at Stanford University of New Mexico and Johns Hopkins University, uh, looked into how people who are in long-term relationships or married uh, met each other. And they did this historical survey uh, every year going back to 1940. And they kind of categorized the way people met each other, like people met their spouses. And there are a number of possible categories that they identified here. Uh, Meeting through friends, meeting through coworkers, uh, meeting in a bar, mm. meeting in some kind of uh, social club, like uh, like an organization, like church especially, uh, meeting as neighbors they identified, meeting in school or college, uh, and then meeting online, of course. And so they, they basically did this survey and said, well, how did you guys meet one another? And they plotted it every year from 1940 to 2019. And it's really, really interesting trends uh, emerged here. And I think it shows a shift in the way that people think about relationships and the way that game theory sort of commodifies this aspect of the human experience, which is partnership. So going back to 1940, uh, one of the most common ways that people met each other throughout history uh, in this country is meeting through friends. For decades, going up until like 2010, that was by far the most common way uh, that people met each other. Uh, It used to be that people met through family a lot more often. So Almost 30% of couples in 1940 say they met through family. Wow. Uh, That trend steadily declined. It went just on a linear slope going all the way down to uh, less than 10% in 2019. Similar story for meeting in uh, uh, high school. like So school before college, secondary school, primary school, whatever. Uh, Similar story there. Just under 30% of people met their partners in like school growing up as kids. That's really interesting. And now almost like 5%. I have two thoughts on that. Thought number one is that I think there is a lot more empowerment of women now and women are going to college and things. But in, in previous decades, we'll say 40s, 50s, 60s, there was like the, the quicker you're married, setting desires aside to start a family, like your goals are to start a family by the time you're 23. That's part of it. The American dream is part of it. But the other part of it is now like graduate schools and secondary schools are more open and, uh, for women. There are more opportunities for women. So a woman in high school, like I I don't, I don't love, love you, so I'm going to go to college now, and if we meet up again, we meet up again. So that, that makes a ton of sense to me, that, that particular trend. Yeah, well, and, and that's actually paired up. That, I, I think it, that hypothesis is supported by other trends in the data. So 
people who meet as coworkers or people who met uh, in a bar or restaurant. So like social settings, professional settings, that started out really low. So only 5% of couples met in bars or restaurants in 1940 and just over 10% met uh, in a, uh, or sorry, 5% met as coworkers just over 10% met in a bar or restaurant in 1940. And that trend steadily rose, uh, going up until about, it looks about 1970, uh, and then it kind of leveled off, and, and they were, people were meeting each other uh, equally in bars and restaurants and as coworkers, uh, right around 20% of couples say they met one another that way for a few decades. Uh, and then something really interesting happened. Uh, those trends completely split around the year 2000, uh, but Nick, in 2000, uh, right around the turn of the millennium, another fascinating trend developed. A new player entered the scene. Match.com. met each other. Online dating. Yes. So beginning in 1980, which I think is the earliest year that they had data for this study, uh, there's, a, there's a small percentage of people who say they met their partner online. Uh, you can imagine, like, 1980, the internet isn't, popular it's not widely known uh it's it's not a common thing you have to it's kind not of be useful like a specialist yet. yeah yeah it just it just wasn't accessible yeah uh, then in the 90s the dot-com bubble showed its ugly face and <laughs> the internet became much more common and then suddenly there were a lot of like internet users just walking around and then when the millennium hit the percentage of people who met each other went from like one percent to like 20% over the course of like seven years. Just, it's, it's crazy. It just exploded. It's by far the fastest growth on, on this entire trend. And that coincides with this split I mentioned in, in around 2000. So the percentage of people who met, met their partner in bars or restaurants went dramatically up right around the turn of the millennium at the same time that people meeting as coworkers just plummeted. Sure. And that coincides with this huge rise in meeting online. That's what happened to me, Chris. Um, so it's really interesting. I, I kind of wanted to do studies on this, and I think it would be interesting. It'll go into something I want to finish up our conversation with. We've got, we got a little bit left here, and we're going to talk about like these niche apps that are starting to come out, which I kind of think are belittle the point, depending on what the niche is. But my spouse is a physician, and for anybody who's watched Grey's Anatomy or literally anything that you know about the medical training process, they work quote-unquote, 80 hours a week. Many programs that are malignant and abusive, they work far more than that. So many, 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 many physicians, male or female, are married to one of three people, right? One, someone they met prior to medical school. Two, someone they met in medical school. Three, someone they work with because that's where they are physically. Like there's right. no opportunity for my wife to go out and like meet. Like you, she could not have gone to like speed dating or met someone at like an event or like at brunch or like there's no bar stuff like, like they're dead like they're so they're so tired so online dating is literally the best option so it opens up for people like her and for any other powerful uh workaholic kind of career path it opens up doors because there are people that are, are not necessarily uninterested in being with someone like that like me but before the internet those people were completely limited so the the coworker thing is a proximity thing here's someone that i have never met before that's exciting certainly not related to them. They don't know my mom. And like, we clearly have at least one similar interest. We both chose to be here. So at that point, that makes a ton of sense. But when the pool opens up, you have no idea what you're actually into when you have options and it doesn't take a ton of time. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it just, it's a reflection, I think, of a social order that 
demands a lot of people. I mean, people just have really, really busy schedules with things like work, trying to like do adulting, uh, and like trying to manage an online connected social life. It's just really, really hard to do. So if this app can like commodify that experience for you and they're like, okay, well, I'll get my fulfillment, but I have to go through this kind of game theoretic process to do it. I, I, I think that's a good thing in some ways. I think it's just, I, th- I think it says something about the, the world, the society that we live in, you know, with this, uh, w- with the news recently about how people have been quitting jobs in huge yes, numbers. Sure. And there's this kind of like power to the workers movement. We talked about it before on a previous episode with like DoorDash drivers and yep. they're able to like collectively bargain in, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> uh, we'll probably talk about it again with the work shortage at some point in a future episode. But, you know, the, the, the most common way that people meet one another now, according to this study, is online by far. It's, it's around 40% of couples said they met each other online in 2019. And that has led to a precipitous decline in the, the number of people who meet each other through friends. So people are bypassing this long, like, social introduction process where someone has to, like, get incorporated to the group and, like, you have to try out the whole dating thing. And, you know, you have to manage friends' schedules without the convenience of, like, being able to just instantly message at any moment. And it, it, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of, like, logistical hurdles, I think, to dating and trying to find people and, and make a connection that using game theory through an app, uh, people can kind of overcome. Yes. And sometimes it works out really well. Like yep. you and your lovely wife, whom you frankly do not deserve. Correct. Uh, I cr- correct. Yeah, I tricked her. She's too tired. Yeah, like, yeah I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Kim, if you're listening to this, it's not too late. There are legal options for you. But uh, sometimes you do find true love. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's outstanding. Yes. Um, but other times, you find people who are putting hot dogs into cake beaters and power swiping. <laughs> and yeah. it turns into literally just a game, and then maybe somebody gets laid at the end. Right, exactly. And so we, we there's some interesting data that have come out. There are a couple of good TikTok follows. I'll try to find them and put them on there. This one guy lost like uh, 100 pounds. He had a big glow up, and he started to do really well on the apps. And I, I don't know if he worked for the apps. He works for Nielsen or somebody. And he's kind of revealing a lot of the data. And you find that a lot of the problems that you had in high school or college when you were dating, they persist. So, for example, something like 90-plus percent of swipes are for like 2 to 3% of users for both men and women. And this is for uh, any range of the LGBT spectrum. So that means that hot people get swipes and not hot people don't that's just like that is still a thing and that it does it's across the the main three apps which now are uh bumble tinder and hinge so hinge is one that was not out when i was out and hinge is a lot more in depth i guess there are vocal prompts where you can let them hear your voice and you can answer questions and things which i suppose is a lot like you know eHarmony and match where there's a more in-depth profile and whatever and you can kind of express yourself more 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 or whatever but Still, on those hot people, traditionally attractive, aesthetic, symmetrical, skinny, fit, whatever people, they get more swipes. Like that, that is factual, and they get so much more swipes. It's just, it's the same thing as the wealth disparity. Like these people get whatever they want, uh, and that's and that's still a thing. And then because Tinder became so easy, and I, I this was starting to happen when I was out there, Chris it became like a bar where people are there to get laid and then maybe they date. So there's this information. This is from, I believe, BBC, where they found a study from, I think, 2020 or 2019 that 42% of Tinder users are sneaks, is what it's called. What that, that means mean? that they're cheating. They're cheating? They're cheaters. 40, 42% of Tinder users 
have someone in their life they're on Tinder for fun behind their back. Yikes, yes. dog. Which is crazy. Yes, 42%. And that was recently. What's, so Tinder, the, what's the gender breakdown there? I actually don't know. I just saw this information from The Guardian. Let's find out. Uh, I don't know if they have that. In fact, the research comes, quote, 30% of Tinder user surveys are married, while another 12% are in relationships. 54% classify themselves as single. Is there a gender? It's, most of these people are young. No, I can't find gender, but I will put the link in the show notes. If you want to do your own your own research. And this was published in The Guardian. Yeah, 20, yeah, late 20, 20, 2019. Yeah, so th- this was, it's been, it's been getting inundated with this. And that's part of Bumble and Hinge. Like this is for people who are really here. So then they started, these apps started to verify you and whatnot so that you could kind of influence, you know, like that this is real. And then they gave more and more options and premium options. So what I did, to, to play the game, Chris, is I paid for the premium option of Bumble to see who liked me. So you would swipe and do whatever, but you would also, if someone swiped on you, then you would see that they did that. So when they came across your screen, they'd be like, hey, this person liked you. Do you want to like them back? Which is totally worth it because it reduces it even further. And as you mentioned, one of, like, some of the great parts of online dating are, and this is the arguments that I made for app dating, was that it reduces the people, reduces the pool of, of options to people who are interested in you, theoretically, even at a little bit. Right. So, and yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's the, you, you bypass the whole awkwardness of like trying to persuade somebody that you're interesting and, and worthwhile mm-hmm. the first time you meet. Uh, really challenging to do in settings like bars. Yes. Uh, but, you know, if you meet through friends, then that could potentially like disrupt the, uh, the, the, the feng shui of the friend group, as yeah. it were, Ooh. if uh, if there's not really a match or if there's bad chemistry there. So exactly. kind of a convenient way to just skip all of that. Uh, but as you said, it's really difficult to do, apparently, or more difficult to do, uh, if you're not in like the top, what do you say, two or three percent, getting ninety percent of the swipes, right? And like I'm not in the top two or three percent. I act like I am, obviously. My, no, you're, my the, you're the bottom two or three percent. Yeah, 3%. yeah, I'm a- absolutely. Which is why the prompt and like my wife swiped because of the prompt. And she said at the time she was getting back out there. She had been in a long relationship. She'd been single for like six months or so. And she said on. I think it was our first or second date or later, like when, before we were like living together, she said, yeah, you were on our first date much more masculine than I thought you'd be. <laughs> so. Incredible. Did she yeah. really say that? She said that to my face. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 uh, what did your profile pick look like? Can you, can you put, bring up your profile pic? No, I can't and I won't. <laughs> I have since lost quite a bit of weight and been in much better shape, but... Um, I, maybe I could, I, I might, we might make that the profile picture for this episode. I, I had some good pictures on there, but it was for her. And I, I didn't know this about women. It's just like, this was a safe option. Like you weren't too hot that I would be intimidated or like be taken advantage of. Like I would be in control of the situation and how I, I met I your mother here and it'll be safe. Correct. And how I met your mother, they said that every long-term relationship has a reacher and a settler. And it's very clear what situation I'm in right now, but yeah. Well, congratulations. Sometimes your you. reach does not exceed your grasp. I can completely with agree. a lovely wife. 100%. So Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, and there are some other ones, uh, Match, eHarmony, all these big ones, the, the games with the cheaters or the ones that are really serious for people looking for partners, theoretically, they're the whole pool of people. But in recent years, and I think I, I kind of, I want to give credit where credit is due. I think it was Farmers Only, Christian Mingle, J-Date. Oh, FarmersOnly.com. You don't have to be lonely. 
at farmersonly.com. Right. So this is for people who live a certain lifestyle or practice a certain religion. And now there are many, many more. Like for vegans, there's something called Vegly. Are you kidding me? No. And then there's Fit Day for people who are really fit. We we need to shut that down. I agree. We can't can't be propagating more vegans into the world. Uh, Well, that's probably true. (laughs) But then what these apps are doing is it's narrowing down the pool of people uh, on your own. So you're kind of like finding yourself and like, I've, I've read an article and I've listened to a Ted talk from two people who are scientists. One, uh, I believe a behavioral economic person and another statistician, one of whom was Jewish and one of whom I think their thing was like, they wanted to be around other nerds like academics. So they would specifically swipe and, and, uh, disassociate people who were available on specific dating sites to look for keywords. And they found out they use math and like science to, to narrow down these massive pools of people to the person that they wanted, which in my opinion is just no real different than just like reading the profiles and picking who you want. Yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't just do the latter. Like yeah. why go through all this rigorous work when you would just do the rigorous work anyway? What's really funny about this is that I did that and I am married and both of these people are married in a long-term relationship. So like literally it's, Six in one and half a dozen in the other. That's a Pennsylvania phrase I didn't really understand before, but I'm getting better at it. Six it, in one. Six in one? Six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Isn't that the phrase? Six in one, half a dozen? That's Yeah, but that's not a Pennsylvania. That's like a phrase. The whole world knows that. I have it. I didn't hear it till I met my wife. Have you heard of uh, half a dozen or half a six of one and a dozen of the other? What? No. Did you just well, I mean, screw that yeah, up? Yeah, half a six in one hand, you got a dozen in the other. It's like uh, you've heard of deja vu where the thing that's happening to you has never has uh, happened to you before. No. Have you heard of vuja day where the thing that's happening to you, you swear has never happened to you in your life? <laughs> vuja day. I like I like I like vuja day. Yeah, so these people they found they use science Chris to find their person, but now we have these apps that are narrowing it down for you and I I for one other than I for me the only caveat here is religion because that's the thing where like it feels crummy for someone that you like to not like you back because like you can't see a future with yourself because of religion. However, a religion is part of someone's fabric and I, can, I would never hold that against someone when I was dating. Like if, if, if someone who was Jewish or Mormon and I am not wanted to be with someone who is Jewish or Mormon, like completely understand that that's your livelihood. That's like you're raising a family together. Other than that, like narrowing down for people who work out or people who are vegans, to me, that's like, it's kind of profligating this segre- segregation separatist thing that we're all going through. It's kind of turning yourself into a data point. And I, I'm kind of worried that the amount of these apps are keeping us siloed and it's, it's not a pluralistic kind of vibe. Yeah, keeping us siloed. Very good bureaucratic phrase. And uh, I think you have a point here. I mean, so there, there's this like, there's this social theory. It's like, like intersectionality. Yeah. Where it's like the different layers of your uh, of your personal background uh, intersect, like your uh, like your your race and ethnicity, your age, your gender, your sexual orientation, your you know your financial background, your ability set, like all these things intersect and they like form you. Uh, and you know, I think there's something to be said for that. Like those dimensions of the human experience are important and they're they're meaningful and they're inimical to the the person, but they also tend to like commodify people in the same way that like this entire concept of online dating is. And so when you can self-select based on attributes, I mean, it's completely reducing the identity of a person down to like an, uh, like a, a agglomeration of a bunch of different adjectives. And that just, that seems really weird to me to do as well. And I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan and like, 
it, it's it, it minimizes the person. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, apps can do all the self selection they want. They can you know, weed out people who are interested in Star Wars, and it can connect you with people who want to have a similar you know, outdoorsy lifestyle or whatever. Uh, but it all comes down to whether you actually have a connection and you're genuinely able to transform this match into something genuine and something meaningful. Yeah, and um, I, I, I think that, and then we'll transition into this and we'll try to get out of here. The most important part of online dating is, is the most important part of any dating. Like your intentions have to be clear to you, in my opinion. I think that people that are stuck in the online dating cycle, and I saw this meme and I sent it to one of my friends who's actively out there. I think she's like 28 and she's, yeah, she's young. She's in her prime. She's got a, a very good, stable career. She's very successful and she's in online dating. And uh, she and I are close and she's like, you know, I would, I think I'm kind of ready to like settle down and be in a situation. But this online dating cycle, the meme was something like online dating is just, matching with someone, making out at a bar, and then just casually watching each other's social media posts for years. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that one time thing. That makes it seem very discouraging and depressing. Yeah, ex exactly. So it becomes like it's an addiction or like there's a completely new amount of people out there. So when, But I think that people that have been successful, like myself, and I know my friend Nicole, she met her husband. They have a kid now. Uh, their, their daughter is adorable. If you are genuine about what you're looking for and are honest with yourself, I think that's the first key. But if you don't know, the people that I think that are in this vicious cycle are the people like, well, I don't know what I want. I'm just kind of out there. Like, well, then you're going to get, I don't know, you're going to get whatever, we're just going to get whatever happens to you. But I definitely, I'm on board with your, your characterization there with like this idea that people are turning themselves into a resume instead of a person. Because I know for me, like I, Kimber, Kim and I would have never crossed paths ever. And I know now there's a doctor dating app for doctors to date other doctors. Like kind of defeats the purpose of this because right. I like, well, what about for people that would like to date a doctor? Cause I know the reason, one of the reasons like a little insight into our relationship that we work well is because I don't mind eating by myself. I'm totally fine being alone all the time. You don't have to apologize for working hard. But if that's just like your own little bubble, then how are you going to learn other stuff? How are you going to like show each other this? Like I taught her maybe how to like move across the country because I've done it a couple times. Like this, these, this, these collaborations are something that I knew that I wanted, but if you don't know what you want, you're in a weird spot online. You're, this is when you get caught in the vicious cycle. Yeah, it's, it, it, it creates this, this dilemma, this like illusion that people are able to kind of curate their own social experience and make sure that everything is arranged just so and find exactly the right person with exactly the right characteristics and make the perfect little relationship and I think sometimes people th like fall into this trap of thinking like oh if I'm serious then I really need to do that and I need to think deeply about all of these things and and it, I, it, it just you can't do that like you can't design the perfect dynamic you can't you, you can't select for the perfect partner there has to be some there has to be intentionality, but it also has to be free of pretensions that like, oh, once I align all the traits that I want, then things will fall into order because it won't. Yeah. And I think, I think, and then just my opinion is that deal breakers are a better place to start. And then after that, just keep your mind open. That's, that's just my personal opinion. Um, maybe it's religion, maybe it's politics. And like, those are, those things I suppose are fine. Um, just because of whatever you want to profligate. But at, like, if you're looking for a person to check like dozens and dozens of boxes, like uh, it's not going to happen. It just isn't. Yep. Can't be done. 
So uh, hope it didn't bum everybody out on Valentine's Day. Keep swiping, folks. Um, really exciting news, though, Chris. TikTok and Facebook have dating platforms now, which I kind of, I'm on board with, and I'll tell you why. Because you can really, really, really see someone by what they put out there on social media. Like that, it is hard to fake who you are on TikTok and on Facebook. This is your daily reminder to delete every pa- Facebook post you've ever made, ever. <laughs> ever. Should have never tweeted, God damn it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, make your friends listen. We appreciate it. And wish all your friends happy birthday today, because you probably have a bunch. And we're live with this week's episode of Game Theory.